Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox and I'm Josh. I'm Jimmy. And because of my considerable pull within the uh, Christian author community, because I am a Christian author, Josh, you're really not, but mm-hmm, I am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to swing our guest today. Yeah, we are pumped to have Susie Davis on with us. Susie, th- thank you for joining us. Oh, gosh. I, this is like my joy. Surely a conversation oh, no, with Jimmy is not your yeah, joy. That's, that's sad. That <laughs> that's it really be. is. Y'all are the, the best. I love it. Susie is co-founder, along with her husband, of Austin Christian Fellowship. She also is a blogger. She's a speaker. She has a fantastic podcast. It's the Dear Daughters Podcast. And she's also an author. Uh, her latest book is Unafraid. Susie, tell us about Unafraid. Um, well, it's really kind of the story of my um, relationship with God, really. But it um, it tells the story of me becoming a Christian as a, at 12. And then at 14, something really tragic happened. I witnessed a murder in my school here in Austin. And um, after that, I just slowly started distrusting God. I kept loving him, but I started distrusting him and developed a huge fear stronghold in my life. And so it's really the story of that kind of how fear and anxiety can overwhelm your life and how you can be set free. And what I found in speaking with women is that it doesn't take, you know, witnessing a murder to have a fear stronghold. Just there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of women struggle with it. And so um, in telling my story, I've just got to meet a lot of people who have been encouraged by how God can set set us free, truly. When you were older, kind of after this incident occurred, how did you notice that maybe fear and anxiety were impacting you more than the average person? What did you notice in your life? Well, I, w- I would have told you, Jimmy, that I was really normal, but when you're a newlywed and you're married and you're having your husband check under the bed and triple check the door to make sure it's locked, you know, there's some serious problems going yeah, I, on. And I'm a professional and I can tell you, yeah, that's not. <laughs> I was a freak. Um, but I felt like it was necessary. I felt like I had to protect myself or that my husband will had to protect me. And then when I had kids, it really broke open because, oh my gosh, you don't want anything bad to happen to your kids. So that's when it just, I, I got too tired of trying to take care of everything and I broke down and that's when God swooped in and did some massive healing in my life. So he didn't swoop in and give you Xanax. He gave you some massive healing. Yeah, actually I, I, um, I had post-traumatic stress and then, um, he started showing me stuff through nature, which is, sounds a little, you know, crazy maybe, but when you read the Bible, I mean, God's talking about how, you know, the skies speak forth of his glory. And it was actually through some, through close friends and community and some pictures in nature that he really started showing me how much he loved me and that he had good plans for my life and everyday joy for my life and peace for my life. And he broke off that fear and 
I had to learn how to walk in a new way, which for a fear, for someone who has a lot of anxiety and worry, like that everyday process of, of rejecting the temptation to like be afraid or be worried or just that, that fills your brain. It was a really it was dr- very dramatic for me, very dramatic. Well, especially for believers, because, you know, you've got this this anxiety, this overpowering fear, and yet everything you read in Scripture is fear not. Fear is the opposite of faith. So it's almost like, wow, not only am I experiencing this horrible thing in my gut all the time, I'm apparently a bad Christian. Right. There is a lot of shame, and um, or at least it, I, you know, I didn't feel a lot of shame from other people, but when you do hear those messages, you just take it on. Um, but what was really, you know, beautiful is that I, um, God did, wasn't ashamed of me, he, I, you know, in, in learning, I'm sure you're therapist, you know, these things, but like when you start looking at who you were as a child and realizing that, you know, th- thinking in terms of looking, how would you respond to that child? You know, you wouldn't feel ashamed or, you know, angry, you would feel compassion and love. And that's what I started experiencing from God in a very real way. And I started trusting him again. And so that's what led me. It was his kindness that led me to repentance, basically, that led me to a life that was, um, you know, in in some ways a fearless kind of life because of his love. And I hear you saying um, relationship with God. Uh, you mentioned community, relationship with other people. It sounds like that that you really healed through relational connection. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think that's, you know, the way it's supposed to be. And it's it's hard because like when you're as messed up as I was, you don't really want people to know how crazy you are. But I, you know, the first step to my healing was in a small group with some other women and they were being vulnerable about their lives. And I think it was their vulnerability that enabled me to start being vulnerable. And it was like the healing was contagious. And then I shared with Will and, you know, and then he had healing in his life. And it was just like, it was dominoes falling. (laughs) And um, yeah, we need other people as, as hard as it is to be open about, you know, our, our interpersonal crazy. Um, We all have it and we, we need each other desperately. And yet in church, we want to play like we all don't have it. You know, it's, you know, that, that type of vulnerability, that type of authenticity is so difficult within most churches. I love going to like, you know, celebrate recovery groups and stuff because you walk in the door and it's just, Hey, I'm broken. Are you broken? Yeah, I'm broken. Everyone there is admitting that they're broken. And it's like in most churches you walk through and it's everyone is fighting not to reveal that they're broken in any way. Not They're not even dented, much less broken. Yeah. I mean, that is that is hard, Jimmy, and you're right. And it's I, I think it's a trickle-down thing. I think it's when you have leadership that's able to be authentic, yep. which, and that's hard, you know, because you're supposed to be leading, so you're supposed to have your stuff together. <laughs> but mm-hmm. when you have, you know, when you're able to be authentic kind of globally, um, then people start feeling permission to be not okay. And we're all so not okay. I mean, I'm sure y'all are much more okay than me because you're psychologist. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> but, you know, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you this, um, on my podcast, Your Daughters, I'm always advocating therapy because I just think, I wish all of us could have therapy weekly. We have some kind of group therapy. Like, it's just, it's so good to be aware of what's going on in your life. And I think it's hard for, it's hard for me to see where I'm not okay. 
But when someone, when there's a safe someone sitting with me, they can gently um, help me uncover the the pieces of my life that aren't healthy. But that's what's so difficult. Even as a therapist, we can only be corrective or encouraging or kind of point out faults if someone's honest. So, you know, we mentioned community in your healing was so huge, but probably just honesty. You finally getting to a place where you have to call a spade a spade was huge. Yeah. And that took a a literal breakdown for me. So I was a tough case. (laughs) Now you'd mentioned your podcast, Dear Daughters. Uh, The reason that you named it that? Well, my I have two daughters and a son and my son is the oldest. And when he was in high school, his friends would come over to our house and the girls would cluster in my kitchen and we would talk and, um, they started calling me mama Sue's. And so I just always saw myself as kind of a mother to these children who weren't my own. And then my daughters had friends and the same thing happened over and over. And I just, um, got really comfortable encouraging younger women. And so, um, but it started with that name and then, um, and I call them my dear daughters. There are girls that I meet with today that, you know, I've met in my church or even online through social media outlets and stuff like that. And we, I just want to be a spiritual mother to them. I want to encourage them. I don't mind people knowing I'm 53 years old. I'm not trying to be young, cool and hip. I, I enjoy this phase in life where I'm an older woman, and I know it's my responsibility and my joy, my deep joy to encourage younger women. And so that's really where that came from. Right. And so with, you know, naming it Dear Daughters, is it just simply you don't care about your son? Is that (laughs) that sort of what's behind me? Yes. Well, I'm in therapy with about that. We are. He is. (laughs) All right. 30 30 years old. That hurts me because you're not in therapy here. So... I can. I can. Uh, you also mentioned that you have another book that has been... Before re- before oh. we move on, though, I'd love to hear just kind of more of what, some of the topics that you talk about. What kind of is your target audience? Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the podcast. Yeah. Well, my target audience is really the, the millennials, the young women who are in their, you know, 20s to 30s. And it's also older women who, you know, what I found is that There are a lot of younger women who want like mentors, disciplers, whatever. They want people in their life who are older. Um, Some of them had great moms. Some of them didn't. But they they want women in their lives who are older, you know, farther along in their marriages or raising kids and stuff like that. And there are a lot of them. I mean, they're hungry. And what I found is that the older women are a little more reluctant to be available. And I think some of it's fear and you know, maybe some of it's busyness, but I think most of it's fear. And so the podcast really is geared towards both groups. It's like, I want to encourage the younger women, but I also want to encourage the older women to jump in. So really the conversations with the people I interview, it's just, it's, it's meant to be listened to and then used in their everyday lives in real situations. Like my, I hope it's a, you know, kind of a, a sounding board where they can hear these conversations and use pieces of the conversations and questions in their everyday lives with their people. Hopefully you, I I listened to your interview with Jimmy, hopefully you've stepped up your game a little bit more. That was probably a desperation play to have Jimbo on the show. No, he was like one of my tip top favorites because he was so, because she's talking to you. I don't even, well, he's, he's so, yes. Intelligence, what what word are you grasping for? Yes. Um, uh, devastating good looks. Which which is it? Well, I couldn't see you, so that okay. uh, we'll leave that to your wife. 
She yeah. sees you every day. Um, no, I think Jimmy, you're just, uh, you know, and you're, I remember this when we were on the radio way back when, um, when I was on that morning show and you'd always come in, yes. but you're very direct about, uh, uh, things that some people would want to be less direct about. Um, and I like that about you, like the whole snowflake thing y'all are talking about, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. <laughs> y'all are just funny and it's, Izzy, it's, you need to stop. I was trying to dig at Jimmy, not compliment him. Oh, I know. Oh, sorry. I missed <laughs> no, no, no. it. No, so, you're, good, good. you're good. You're good. No, you're, you're justifying my arrogance and pride. So <laughs> I appreciate it. You have another book, a previous one that is now being reprinted and it's loving your man without losing your mind. And I know I speak for the entire male gender when, when I say I don't take offense by that title. But tell us about the book and its reprinting, and is there new material in it? Actually, um, there is not new material, but it's um, – we, Will, my husband, always likes me to tell everyone right at the get-go that it is all fiction. It has nothing to do with him or anything. <laughs> but, um, no, it's just about how to get along um, in your marriage, and it's, you know um, – it's not a like heavy read or anything like that. It's, it's something you can get through. It talks, we talk about communication or I do in the book, um, dealing with in-laws, just practical things that come up and how to untangle yourself and not get too bogged down so that you just feel like you really don't, you know, love the person anymore. There's just, as you all know, there's so many people who wake up one day and say, I, you're not making me happy or whatever. And, um, the book is really just intended to to be a help along the way, a companion for those everyday problems come up that that mount up, and years later you end up in a really bad situation in y'all's office, basically. Now, you also another book I wanted to get at, and this is not necessarily for me; it's much more for Jimmy. But <laughs> your book, Uncovered: Discovering a Sexy Marriage. Well, the reason it's not because me being sexy is is very obvious. <laughs> So it's not really undercover. Never going to be. You're right. It's obvious. It's very obvious. Yeah, it's very obvious. Where where did this one come from? Oh, this one was such fun to write. It's not, my kids were, you know, and they were in their late teens when this one came out and they were mortified. And I was like, it is not about that kind of thing. (laughs) It's basically about understanding a man, like a man's perspective and a male perspective. And in that book, I interviewed there were 12 guys that I would interview about topics inside the chapters and they would, I changed their names and they would give me their honest uh, feedback on things. And it was like, like I would ask how, how many times a day do you think about sex or something like that? And it was, their answers were hilarious. Um, But it made you, I think as a woman, it made me and the readers that I've talked to who've read it, it made you appreciate the way that guys are designed. Like they're designed differently and, they think differently uh, about sex and, and a lot of things, money, um, everything. Um, so the book is really designed to, it's the same thing as loving your man. It's just designed to bring a husband and wife back to kind of the same page. Did you discover that there's a lot of misconceptions out there with females regarding their husbands? Yeah. And I think what happened is like I explained in the beginning that the mail room, um, the guys, it's M A L E room, the guys there, they're like, they were, they're, they're great guys. They love their wives. They're, you know, leaders in the church. And these were the guys that were saying things that were so real about sex and how often they think of it or, you know, all, all the things. 
And so I think it was just helpful that, you know, cause not a lot of women go around talking about that. And it, it was helpful for, for women to read about, you know, different men's opinions on these things. And their husband's not like crazy. He's actually just a man and God made him that way. And it's a good thing. I know some years back I, uh, in Sunday school, uh, Ed Young Jr. wrote a book called The Great Sexperiment. Did you see this? No. And, it, it, you know, because many marriage books, you know, will touch on the sexual aspect of, of a marriage. But his, he just kind of stayed there. And the whole book was about that. And and the the great sex experiment was challenging couples to have sex once a day for a week. That and, sounds exhausting. And I mean, there were men line, dragging their wives to Sunday school like you would not believe. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, they felt the call. They felt the call uh, to be spiritual again. Absolutely. Come on, honey. Love yeah. Jesus. Let's go. Susie, it has been such a pleasure to have you here. You have touched so many people's lives, and you have these outlets that continue to be a source of inspiration and knowledge for so many, and not just women, but men as well. Well, you guys are the best. Thank you for having me on your show. I love listening to it, and I'm grateful for you know who you are and what you're doing in the ministry game and for people everywhere. Thank you so much, Susie. It's been a blast. All right. Y'all have a good one. Right, Stay bye-bye. cool. <laughs> now, if you want more information, Jimbo, what? I was going to do my little spiel at the end, and you just interrupted, and you just you just ended her. What, said, what spiel? Be gone. If you want more information about Susie, go to susiedavis.org. Be gone. Where'd that come from? Uh, some show on MTV, like in the 90s. Anywho, you can also catch her on Facebook. It is at davis.susie. And then Twitter and Instagram is at Susie Davis. You absolutely need to probably skip over Jimmy's episode, but check out her Dear Daughters podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Inia, we we referenced three of her books, but any of her books are fantastic. And all that information can be found at susiedavis.org. Yeah, she was great. She was fantastic. Any thoughts from the show? She's a wonderful voice. And she's a voice that I think a lot of, especially young women, need to hear. I love it that she's sort of picked up the mantle. And we see this a lot with the mommy blogs and, you know, the, the, the women's ministry that exists really sort of parachurch. And what women are doing is just kicking the rear ends of what men are doing because men are not doing anything. And so they have, you know, women have so many of these fantastic voices, Susie being one of those. And, uh, and it's a shame that we really don't have the same type mentoring on a mass scale happening with guys. With her Unafraid afraid book, with anxiety, I always communicate. And by the way, you mentioned, you kind of did a dig at um, Lexpro. Xanax. Xanax. And that is absolutely a fantastic option if that's needed. Oh, I take them by the handfuls. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, yeah, I'm, in fact, right now... I am high as a kite. So, no, I'm with you. So don't don't listen to Jimbo there. But I, you know, in in discussing her book about anxiety as an anxious person myself, I was going to hope that she mentioned relationship because it's such a a key curative factor with anxiety and depression and really any other mental disorder. Um, And so when she was talking about her relationship with her Heavenly Father and her community, I thought that was just huge. The desire, when the more and more pathological we get, the desire is to remove ourselves from relationship and be isolated, but we've got to plug in. And what I found about relationship and community is that it is a curative factor. 
it's not that it works and it's good. Uh, I use phrases like curative factor. Why do you use phrases like curative factor? That's so weird. I'm not even gonna It's answer. just like, oh, I'm a doctor. I'm going to use giant words that like barely even sound like they fit. <laughs> I'm trying to have a serious discussion about Susie's wonderful words. And you keep going off the rail. Um, I'm being mercurial. So her, her book on anxiety, fantastic. Pick that up. And again, susiedavis.org. If you want more information about this show, uh, you can go to paradoxpodcast.com. You can also find our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram handles at that website and as if well. You're, speaking of anxiety, if you're petrified as a parent, Fearless Parenting by George, well, whatever this guy, the guy's name is, and me, Jimmy Myers, in bookstores now. See y'all later. Hurry before they're all gone. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. And you have to ask the workaholic, do you love your work more than you love your children? More than you love your wife. And you, no, 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 I'm working for them. I just want to pinch them when they say that. Because no, you're not. You're not working for them. You're not doing this for them. You're doing this for you. You're doing it for your self-worth, for your pride, for your ambition, for your career. Don't try to fool people into thinking that you're some altruistic Robin Hood that's just going to all this trouble for your family.